Welcome to the Parent Teacher Conference Podcast, Conversations on Raising Adolescents and Teens. I'm your host, Braden Bell, and I am truly delighted to be here with you today, especially with a truly phenomenal and exciting guest. Uh, before I introduce her, I want to ask a quick favor. Can you please take a moment and give us a rating at Apple Podcasts or wherever else you access your podcasts? It helps a great deal to get the word out. My guest today is Amy Joyce. Amy is the editor of the On Parenting section of the Washington Post, a graduate of Catholic University. She's worked at the Post now for 27 years and is the um, and lives in Washington, D.C. with her husband, journalist Stephen Ginsburg. She's the mother of two sons, 16 and 13. Amy is a truly wonderful person. She's one of those people who is able to balance humanity and professionalism, skill, and empathy. She is able to be clear, but also humane and kind. It's a remarkable balancing act, I think, to carry out these virtues as well as she does. Amy is the consummate professional, but is also very warm and approachable. I worked with Amy through email long before I ever met her. So I knew who she was and a little bit about her, but I was still quite nervous to meet her, actually. We were asked to be on a panel together, speaking to people who were hoping to maybe break into publishing, specifically with parenting pieces of the Washington Post. But I really knew who the main draw was. After all, if I had made it, and Amy hadn't, people would have responded a little bit differently than if Amy made it and I hadn't. So I met Amy at our appointed time and we talked through our plan. She was gracious and professional as always. She was meeting with a lot of aspiring authors, which is not always the easiest dynamic to strike for an editor, but she handled it beautifully. Anyway, our presentation went well, and then Amy went her way and I went mine. Before I left, we talked for a moment. I just told her how excited and anxious I was to get home to Nashville and see my family and my wife, especially. I got home, I believe, on a Sunday morning. And that night, there were terrible tornadoes in Nashville. They caused enormous devastation and loss of life, even. One of the first people I heard from that morning was Amy, just checking in to make sure I was okay. And that's who Amy is, a consummate professional, but also one with a great deal of empathy. Now, I asked Amy to be here on this podcast because I wanted to hear what she's learned from her job. All of us have access to so much parenting information, which can be really wonderful, but it can also be a little difficult. Amy spends her day reading through pieces, editing pieces, getting ready to publish pieces, thinking about important topics, hearing from important people with important things to say. And then she goes home and is a parent. And so I've asked her to share with us some of what she's learned about how to balance this huge amount of information with really parenting in the moment and any other things she's learned. So I'm so excited today to welcome Amy Joyce to the podcast. Amy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're making me tear up here. So <laughs> well, it's so kind, such a kind intro, but it's so good to, to see you and, and to talk to you. It's been too long. It has been a long time. Um, we were just re reminiscing kind of right before we started that the last when we saw each other, this conference was just it was like in February of I don't know, I don't even remember 2020, I guess, or uh, at any rate, we were starting to hear about this kind of this strange new illness that was spreading across the world and wondered what was ahead of us. So yeah, that's there's been a lot of under a lot of water under the bridge since then. Yeah, I, I think that might have been like the last big thing we probably both did definitely the last big event I did before the world yeah. shut down. Yeah. Well, so tell us a little bit about yourself, will you, and how you came to do what you do? <laughs> well, um, as you mentioned, I've been at the post for a very long time. I didn't mean for that to happen. I didn't expect that to happen, but what a great place to, to end up. But, um, I started out there as a coffee aide, um, my last year of college and then, you know, moved into a news aid position, started writing for the business section, um, met my now husband there when we were both copy aides, <laughs> very young. And um, I just knew uh, growing up that I wanted to work with words and write. And, um, you know, I just love the idea of sort of holding truth to power and, and, and just, you know, trying to um, do right in the world. So that was my main impetus for for going in this line of work. Um, and I started out, um, I was sort of, I was very young and was asked to write a career column for Gen Xers 
back when Gen Xers were, you know, 20 somethings. <laughs> so that was sort of my first big um, role at the post. And then I was a business reporter, labor reporter, and then I became pregnant with my son, my first son. And I thought I didn't want to have these daily news deadlines anymore. Um, and I applied to be an editor in the weekend section, which is a local section at the post um, with movie reviews and going out things. And it was just, um, and I got hired the day I got home from the hospital with him, they called and said I got the job. So um, it was sort of amazingly perfect timing. So um, when I came back to work after my maternity leave, that's what I was doing, um, feature editing and and just, you know, fun things going on in DC. And then a few years into that, and I was pregnant with my second son, and um, there was a woman running a parenting blog at the post that we had launched, um, but it was just sort of a shell. She didn't really know what to do with it. And we were joking because she didn't have kids. It was just part of her her job. And I said, so I have two kids and I don't have time to go out anymore. And I'm editing stories about going out and clubbing and going to bars and you don't have any kids and you're running the parenting section. And so we said, let's see if they'll let us switch. So we literally went to somebody, um, my friend and, and editor, uh, Liz Seymour, and said, what do you think of Camille and me switching? And she went for it. And um, it was great. Um, Camille ended up doing a great job in the weekend section. And then um, I just loved being able to have this blank slate and, and do whatever I wanted with parenting with two young kids at home. So that's how that all started. And it started, gosh, I should have looked this up, but it's been at least 12 years, I think that we've been doing this. And so it started out primarily, as you know, personal essays, a lot of personal essays um, that just I find so fulfilling and interesting and that's personally what I love to read. Um, but then it has morphed over the years into different, different lines of coverage. And we're doing a lot more newsy, you know, news you can use advice pieces now that I find very, very helpful for myself. And, and I hope my readers do too. So that's sort of the, the background there. It seems like you've gone to a lot more like deeply reported pieces. Yes. And, yeah. uh, so, and then you, you also have a, a wonderful, parenting coach who comes on is it maybe is it twice a week so Megan Leahy um and she writes a weekly column for us and then does an online chat every other week yeah. every every other week that's right yeah. so it's great stuff I mean you also Amy and I don't know I, I'm not sure there's records of this but my sense is a lot of the people who I'm hearing about now who are writing books that are really getting a lot of attention it seems like I read them first like when they wrote an essay six years ago or five years ago um, in on parenting. So you, yeah. I think, have actually kind of helped launch several people or at least helped them on their way. Some really important parenting thinkers. Yes, um, that's nice of you to say, but it is kind of true that a lot of, uh, not a lot, but a good handful of people who started writing for on parenting do have books now. And um, yeah, I actually have have them all up on my shelves. And, um, you know, I'm just so proud to see that I, people a lot of times say, okay, so you started out writing, but now you're editing your, it's like you're hiding as an editor, but, um, and you don't get the recognition because your name isn't on things. But I um, have been a little surprised by how much joy and pride I have when I see that stuff out there. It's, it's just um, so amazing to me. And, you know, just, yeah you all have done so well. You've written for me too. Um, but it's just, I just think there are so many um, amazing voices out there uh, with so many amazing thoughts. And so it's just, yeah, the more the merrier. It's hard to say no, um, because there's so many good things to be published out there. But yeah. you, um, you just expressed an emotion that I think probably most parents can relate to, the okay. idea of it's not maybe always going to be me in the spotlight, but I'm so proud to see what has come of my efforts. So that's a, a wonderful attitude for an editor to have, but I suspect a lot of us can feel, can empathize with that idea as well. Yeah, um, that's a really good connection. You're absolutely right. So you, the other thing I would say is you actually do write, or rather maybe not a lot every week, but because I, like you introduce, um, 
every maybe is it twice a week you write like an introduction for the newsletter that yeah. has all of the pieces and so i think you actually do have a fair um at least i i feel like i've actually been able to read a lot of your insights over the years i honestly always read um i wait for the newsletter because i want to read what you say about all the pieces um oh. before i actually read the pieces so I, I think you've, yeah, you do make your mark for sure. Well, thanks. Yeah. It, um, the newsletters are fun, sort of scratches my itch when I, when I want to write. And then, you know, sometimes I'll write an intro to the newsletter and think, gosh, I could go deeper on this and I will write a piece based on something there. And, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's a great job. <laughs> so, so listeners, if you're not sure what we're talking about, I think I should be clear from context clues, but the Washington Post has a wonderful section called On Parenting, which you can access. Honestly, I buy my subscription to the Post for that reason alone, just so I have access to On Parenting. It's really wonderful. It's a great resource, but you can have it delivered to your inbox, which is super convenient. So, well, so let's let's talk about these pieces, these all these wonderful pieces you've you've read and published over the years um, that you've written about. Tell me, I guess first of all, from the time you started, so like twelve years ago to now, you must have seen some just colossal tectonic shifts in what parents are worried about, thinking about what you're hearing, what people are saying. And I'd love to hear you'd kind of just I don't know track through that. What have you noticed? Gosh. Okay. So, um, I guess the biggest change, and you know, this as a teacher and a parent is technology, um, you know, and our struggles with how much screen time our kids have, what age they should have phones, how to, um, be careful with how they use phones and yet let them learn from their mistakes because this is our world. It's not like we're putting that genie back in the bottle. Um, and they do make mistakes <laughs> yeah. and parents make mistakes and I make mistakes and my husband makes mistakes. So that has been, um, I think the biggest change from when I started till now, um, is just how much focus parents have to have on modern technology and social media and, um, just how our kids connect with the world. Um, that's been huge. Um, definitely see many more fathers being much more active um, than, you know, sure. even 15 years ago, I'd say. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's delightful. And um, the dads these days, I think, are surprised when people are surprised that they're as involved as they are. And so I find that really interesting and I like to shed some light on that. So um, those are definitely some changes. And then um, a big theme, and you hit on this a little bit, is the whole idea of teaching empathy and kindness. And that's been shifting a lot over recent years as well. Um, it's been a line of coverage I've loved from the very beginning and has actually been very successful for us. So I know a lot of people want to read about it as well. How do you raise a kind kid and how do you teach empathy? Um, but I'm finding in recent years and the way this world has gone with politics and, and whatnot, that it is, um, it is very interesting and difficult and important um, to really get into that with your kids. Yeah. And, and people really are curious how to, uh, how to sort of get kids on track. Yeah. Well, so Amy, I'm curious, how do you, there is so much information all of us have, but I don't know how many, how many pieces of parenting advice do you see a day? Oh gosh, I have no idea. I, I honestly, mean, the emails I get, you know, at least a hundred a day, I would say. Um, the pieces I read each day, I, many, <laughs> I don't even know how to, I mean, you probably see what, like, say, five hundred a week. Is probably, like, yeah. Crazy? I, it's it's crazy. I haven't counted, um, but it's a lot. And so, yeah, I I tell people all the time, if you don't hear back from me, follow up because it does things do fall through the cracks. But um, yeah, you see a lot of pieces each week. Um, in in coming at me, you know, in email and in other ways, but 
there's a lot of information out there. <laughs> How do you deal with that? How does that not just make you your head explode when you go home and you need to parent? Like, I'm truly curious how you manage this because it sounds like a huge, huge balance to me. It is. And sometimes my head does explode. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and my my kids tease me about it, but it, it started out not as a, a joke. It was um my older son was starting middle school and all of his friends got smartphones and my husband and I gave him a flip phone and he handled it well um being a middle schooler and you know we live in the city he rides a bus like we knew he needed some form of communication connection with us but um he handled it well but a few months in he said sometimes I really wish you didn't know as much about parenting as you do <laughs> <laughs> and you know that kid is now 16 and um you know has his smartphone but uh it's true. It's, it's, I know too much. And, you know, I've made, I still make a ton of mistakes and I still look back on my own parenting and be like, gosh, I wish I had, you know, approached it this way. You know, I'm reading a story from someone like, that's a really smart way. I wish I had done that with Sam, or I wish I had done that with Jonah. So it is hard to turn it off and it's hard to, um, not judge myself a lot, um, based on the things I read. Um, but you know, when people say, oh, so you write about parent or you edit parenting and you have kids, it's true. Like I think about parenting 24 hours a day. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. So I want to just maybe underscore something that really hit me and resonated with me. Um, and listeners, I would imagine all of you can relate to this too, but you may be one of the, I, I don't know, most informed people uh, in the United States about parenting. And yet you still mentioned that there's things you look back on and wish you would have done differently, or there's, mm -hmm. there's times you wish you would have re responded differently. And so I just want to pause on that because that, it seems to me, maybe one of the most universal feelings of parents. And I guess the point I want to draw from that is that no matter how much information you have or how little information you have, all of us make mistakes, no matter how much you think about this, no matter how much you, in my case, write about it or, or read about it or whatever, there's still going to be times you're not going to execute your parenting in the way you might have hoped, and especially in retrospect. So this is a time I feel like or a way that we should all show each other a lot more grace than I think we do, mm -hmm. um, because this feeling of doing it wrong, I think, is one of the most common things that we, we face as parents. Right. Right. And, um, you know, Megan Leahy, our parenting advice columnist says this all the time, but she said, we're all just figuring this out as we're going along. It's not like you, I mean, even if you do have many kids, each kid is different. Um, and the way you handle each child has to be different. And each teenager has to be different based on who they are and who they're becoming. Um, and you can't make them right. be a certain person. And that's, that is probably my biggest takeaway from all these years of parenting is they are who they are. Like you can do your best and guide them and, you know, make your own boundaries and, and give them their rules, but they are who they are. Um, and hopefully they will grow up to be good people. Um, if you're doing it right and, you know, um, it's hard, but parents are very hard on themselves and parents are very hard on other parents. <laughs> the the comments are. on our stories and, you know, the, the judging that goes on. And so um, that's very hard to take as a parent when you're judging yourself too, right. um, or thinking that you're making mistakes along the way. And, and you are, and you should be, because we're not perfect and neither are our kids. And um, you just, you're doing the best you can. And, and that's sort of what I live, live by too. And I try to remind myself when I'm, I'm a, you know, thinking about how I should have done something differently or how I wish I could go back in time just for that one day or, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have a little, I don't know, do you have like a mental flow chart or um, protocol where you're able to somehow say, um, sort through something and say, yes, I'm going to take this home with me. No, I'm not. Or do you just have to mm -hmm. kind of, uh, kind of intuitively work through it all the time? You mean with um when I'm reading something, yeah. Yeah, with like with all the information you're exposed to. So I would say it's both. Um, there are some things where, you know, I'll read about this amazing chart you can use to help your kids understand how much time they're wasting on their phones. And so very specific things I will do. But um, for instance, that chart, I've been talking about doing that with my kids 
and my husband for for a couple of weeks now and we still haven't done it so <laughs> i do bring it home and don't always live by it um <laughs> which is i think very very standard parenting <laughs> yeah yeah it's a great idea that i haven't done um but a lot of it's intuitive i would hope that some of the that a lot of the good stuff that has come through on parenting has just sort of become the way I parent. Um, and also, you know, I'm lucky enough to have a partner in this and I will send him pieces and be like, you have to read this because this really pertains to us right now. And he'll take things away from that as well. But um, I'm not real conscious about it. I don't come home and say, oh, I read this today and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, but it definitely makes its way into our everyday lives. And into the way I think about how I parent my my own kids. That's great. So all of the all of us who are out there just with so much information, um, I love that idea of maybe just um, this is kind of an artistic process too. Is you you just take all the take the information in, and then maybe just let us kind of let it percolate or whatever, and then you know the the good stuff maybe will come out as you're just living your life and as you're parenting, um, and then also some of the really Sometimes there's something really specific or helpful, like you, you mentioned that the chart to indicate right. wasted cell phone time. I, I'm a, I fear very much that at least one of my children doesn't need the chart because um, it would it would be just if it's like a pie chart, it'd just be all one color. It'd be like <laughs> entire 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 life wasted with cell phone use. But um, right. <laughs> I can see I'll be a good starting point at least. Yeah. So. Yeah. When they're complaining, like, I don't have any time. I don't have enough time for X, Y, and Z. And it's like, okay, well, let's look at how much time it makes a lot of sense, but yeah, it's not always yeah. easy to, to sit down right. and do. Well, and that's the other thing is, is even the most informed, careful, thoughtful parent in the world is working with um, another human being and an un, un, immature, unfully formed human being at that. And right. so, they, like you said, I mean, they, they get a vote in, in our parenting as well. And it's not like they're blank slates. We have to give them their space as well. So it's, it's an intricate dance. Right. What are some of the, I'm curious if there's any particular advice you have heard personally over the years, read or heard that just has really stuck with you. Are there particular pieces that you remember that just made a, a, maybe a deep impact? Um, one that we ran, I ran very early on in this was um, by a, a Harvard psychologist in the department of, uh, in their education department. Um, and he started a group there. Um, his name's Rick Weisbord. He's quoted a lot. Um, but he did a piece for me early on based on research, and it was five ways to raise kind kids. And that piece still we can follow what pieces get read. It's been, I don't even really? remember when it ran. I think like 20, I don't, a long time ago. I should look that up right now. But um, that stuck with me and had a big impact on me. And it's, it's always been something that I've cared a lot about, but he broke it down in such an interesting way and it's based on research. Um, so that was one that just sort of stayed with me uh, for a long time. Um. I have a writer who writes for me, Phyllis Vagel. Um, she's yes. a school counselor and she does a lot of great work, great advice um, of many different ways, but she focuses on middle schoolers. So that was really interesting to me as my my boys have gone through middle school and they really are like more than any other time that I found really becoming who they are at that point. And yeah. um, people you know, say, oh my God, middle school, it's the worst, but she has taught me how to actually embrace it and, and find the joy and like help them be who they are through middle school. So that's always been pretty delightful um, and helpful. Uh, and let's see, just did a piece with um, Jenny Wallace, just did a book um, and I did a piece with her and it's about pressure and, and the pressure yes. that we put on our kids and I'm gonna look up the book name right now and make sure I get it right but her book is never enough um when achievement culture becomes toxic and what we can do about it and I find I have found over the years just like the pressure we put on our kids and the pressure they're already feeling about getting into college and getting into the right college and taking the right extracurriculars and um 
as I was talking to her, it just reminded me, especially now that I have a kid who's a junior in high school, like when he comes home, that I want this to be the place where he feels safe and comfortable and like he can breathe a little. So that was a little eye-opening for me. I'm not nagging his him as much um, since I talked to her and did that piece with her. So those stand out. Um, you've done some amazing pieces for me that I, I'd love to mention because I love um, your view on the world as a dad and I think a grandfather, right? Yes. Yes. And a teacher. Um, you see so much and have learned so much as a teacher. So you've done some pieces um, for me that I hope you'll you'll link to in the notes, but um, you did seven things to understand your te- about your teen, I believe. Do you remember that yeah, one? Yeah, I do, actually. Yeah, and that was very helpful for me. I think that was before my kid was officially a teen that we um that we ran that, but that was that was in 2020. I'm looking now. Yeah, it's been a little while. Yeah. So um you're very kind to mention that, by the way. Thank you. Well, no, you've done some great pieces for us. And I just I do feel like one of the main benefits of this job is if I'm curious about something, I can get somebody to research and write it, or I can do it myself. Um yeah you know, and that's what I love about being a reporter and a writer. And usually if I'm curious about something, it means other people are too. So yeah, I feel yeah, like I have do, my own little guides here. <laughs> you do really have a good, I mean, you have a wonderful, I'm glad they let you switch. I'm sure you were great at covering restaurants and clubbing and stuff. <laughs> I, I, I have no it's doubt, but this has been wonderful because you as a parent yourself, and I don't mean to say that a, someone who is not a parent couldn't do this, but you just have a, a very visceral sense of what what is a parent worried about right now, right at this moment in this particular time, um, at this particular age. And I think that's one thing you you bring that is such a gift to your work, a gift to everyone else, is that you're not just looking at things kind of, I don't know, academically or theoretically, you're, you're thinking, my gosh, how do I get my kid to not feel pressure um, because college is coming or how in the world am I going to manage this situation with this cell phone? And so it, it's sort of like every parent out there, I guess, in a way. Um, and then you, you get asked questions and get them answered. So again, I just think you do an incredible service for people. Well, thanks. Yeah. Lucky me that I get to do this. It's, it's pretty great. So um, yeah. And uh, listeners, I will put all of those pieces in the um, show notes. One of the people that Amy mentioned is Phyllis Fagel, who has just come out with a new book and it is very much worth your time. I'm actually hoping to have her on before too much longer. She's in the, the throes of a book tour and things, but this book is called um, Middle School Superpowers, and I'll talk more about it later, but it it, um, it basically asks a question that says, what if middle school is the origin story of the superhero that your child is going to become? And she frames common things that we might think are terrible about middle school. For example, social challenges and, and you know lack of confidence or, or conflicts with peers. And she talks about how those actually can launch them into the superhero that they're meant to be. It's it's a really wonderful book. And again, we'll be talking more about it. But um, since Amy mentioned Phyllis, I wanted to just to shout shout her book out. It's it's quite worth your time. Um, okay. What is the what is it? Is there a parenting trend you you thought was coming on big, and you're kind of glad maybe it ended that you saw saw coming, and now it looks um, you look back and you're like, wow, that was crazy. Um, goodness, let me think. You mean things that parents did? Yeah. Or was there like, I don't know, some kind of weird, it seems like there's a lot of really timeless advice that you get, but it also seems like parenting has its trends, just like anything else, kind of its fads. Yeah. um, You know, there was so much talk about helicopter parenting and so much that we, we did about helicopter parenting and um, it's still happening. So the trend hasn't ended, but um, that's another one, Jess Leahy, her book and and yeah. pieces that she did for us about um, the gift of failure, like the importance of letting your kid make mistakes and, and forget things. And, you know, they left their homework on the dining room table and they're a junior in high school, you know, so, or maybe she more middle schooler so they can learn and, and not fail. But um, yeah, the helicopter parenting, um, the whole... Thing with parents um 
helping their kids lie to get into colleges. I feel like yeah, yeah. that's maybe not happening as much. And I think with a wake up call for a lot of parents, like, oh my God, what are we doing? Um, yeah. So that's, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and that piece you wrote on the on pressure kind of ties into that too. Right. Um, so listeners, actually the, the cover of the book, if I'm not mistaken, it, I, it's, it's really brilliant, but it basically shows a pencil where the, the lead has snapped off because someone is just shoving the pencil down so hard. Um, and, and then it talks, I forget all the subtitle again, you mentioned a minute ago, but it's just basically talking about the crushing amount of pressure that we're putting on our kids. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that piece you wrote, you, you wrote with her, by the way? Um, sure. So, um, Jenny writes for us, uh, from time to time, just does great work and she's really clued in and she, her book in part came about because of a piece that she did for us about, um, where there was a, uh, gosh, I'm going to get this not quite right, but um, let me look it up real quick. Uh, so she said to me, oh my gosh, I just saw that um, students in high achieving schools are being named um, an at-risk group on the same level as kids in foster care and extreme poverty. And she doesn't conflate the two, like obviously, you know, but um, for different reasons, they were named an at-risk group and, you know, rates of suicide were going up, rates of depression and anxiety were going way up in these kids who are at these like high achieving schools. Um, and so from that, she started researching it and, and that was the, Wow. the book came about. So when we talked, it was a lot about um, sort of what we're doing to our kids, even if they're not in high achieving schools. A lot of us, you know, myself included, I will find myself nagging or making sure that they're doing the right activities or making sure, you know, that they're, you think you're done with that homework, go back and, and do it again. Um, when, you know, like she said, it should be like home is the safe place and you can have real conversations and, and they can learn from you as opposed to just like doing, doing, doing homework and doing, doing, doing essays. Um, and so that that was really interesting to me, just the conversation with her and her book, which is fascinating. And um, I think really does apply to teenagers who aren't just in high achieving schools um, and parents whose kids aren't just going to Ivy League schools um yeah we we put a lot of pressure on our kids so that was actually really helpful to me as a parent um and i'm really glad that that information's out there for other people to read i had I, i'm gonna if i may just interject with a really sad story about that situation um there was a student i was worked with very closely and stayed in touch with after the student graduated um and later on in the student's um, high school career, had time to just sit down and chat. We were in a situation that just allowed us to talk for a while. And I get a little emotional. I, I go between being really choked up and being like rage filled. But um, so the student was telling me that she wasn't very good academically. And I'm like, well, I don't, you were always a good student. What do you mean? Um, and it was brilliantly talented in in some other ways. And I just said, what, what are you talking about? And she said, well, I have the lowest average of everyone in my year. And I'm like, what? Oh, First of all, how do you know that? Why did anyone let you know that? But I was like, my gosh, what's your average? Because it did start to sound a little um, grim. Um, just, well, it's just bees. And I thought, oh my gosh, like, what are we, what are we doing to these kids? This is a bright, talented, fun, creative, like this is a great kid, all around great kid. And in any way, B's really aren't um, bad grades. I mean, at least they didn't used to be bad grades. So anyway, I, I have not had a chance to read this book, but I'm really looking forward to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, we do this as parents, you know, from, from the start, you start comparing your kid to other kids you don't maybe realize you're doing it. Um, I definitely did. Uh, you know, remember first grade and Sam would be 
fine with me saying this, but I was like, he seems like he's not reading at the same level as the other, you know, my friends would be telling me about these books their kids were reading and they were five, six years old. And I thought, oh my God, what are we doing wrong? And um, instead of stepping back and taking deep breath and looking at who my kid was, I, I pressured him a lot. And I think, you know, forced him to do homework when he just couldn't sit still and do the homework. And I, that's one of my regrets. I look back on it and it ends up, you know, Sam it got dyslexia and has attention issues that he just very smartly for years worked around and we didn't catch until later. And instead of, you know, me, I don't know. I think I would look at it and um, use it to compare and worry about and put more pressure on him as opposed to treating it in a different way. And yeah. Um, yeah, so it's hard. You start comparing your kids and you start thinking about their future. And and um, I think it's a thing that a lot of parents do and, and it's hard to step back and, you know, not jump on that, that ride. I think actually this just occurred to me, Amy, but when we talk about, you know, all this information out there, if there was, if a parent has time to maybe do one source of information, I wonder if it, it might be wise to try to understand wh what happens normally at each, developmentally what happens at certain ages. And so you're able to compare with a large um, swath of, of ranges and people as opposed to just looking around at the kids in your class, for example, because I imagine he was not all that unusual by if you had a larger sample but in the right right and it's then it's easy to panic um mary lara philpot was on just um last time and she, this is a little lighter hearted but she was in a <laughs> she talked about being in a conference where the kindergarten teacher said well your child's not very good with scissors yet and she's <laughs> like at what point was i supposed to give him sharp things and how did every other parent know that whatever, this was the moment to suddenly give your child sharp things so they'd be ready to cut for kindergarten. Um, right. <laughs> and your, yours is a little more poignant and hers is funny, but I do think it reveals this tension of, of modern parenting where we're in almost just inherently comparative and yeah. with each other. But also, I don't think, I think schools maybe make that worse, unfortunately, as well. For sure. And one funny, not funny story about Sam, I used to, um, you know, be one of the parents driving the little league carpool. And um, we were, I remember driving, they must've been in third or fourth grade. And there's like six little boys in my car and they were all comparing their reading scores. Their, um, what is oh that called? Gosh. Their Lexile scores. They just yeah. did their, oh my goodness. Um, and they all knew their numbers. And Sam and this other little boy who also now- <laughs> you know, is dyslexic. We're like, wow, what's wrong with us? And they would joke oh about their gosh. scores, but I was just like, they're, you know, they're comparing themselves. And that was really a wake up call for me too. Like, I don't, you know, we shouldn't be letting this happen. And, um, you know, yeah. And it's interesting. And, you know, Sam was maybe, a, it was probably around that age where he said to me, I was making him do his, you know, read his book. And he said, isn't it so annoying, mom, when you're reading a line and you can't keep your eyes on the same line and it's just bound? And I'm like, oh, oh, there's the light bulb. He's like, isn't that weird how oh, that happens? Amy. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so just these little wake up calls over the years. I'm like, right. Okay. So I'm, you know, focus on this kid, not on the group, not on, on who's yeah. around him, you know, and he right. does great in school. He's fine. And, you know, doesn't love reading and probably never will. Um, and that's like my first love. So that's just another example of us, uh, you know, kids are who they are. Yeah. Like you can't force it. I think you actually wrote about this at some point, like, is there, I'm just mm -hmm. never, all of a sudden now I remembering, cause you, okay. you talked about what a love of it was for you reading and how it would never be his it was, it was really a, a poignant, I think it was an introduction, one of the introductions you did in the newsletter, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. yeah, but at I any did rate, an it was essay with his with his permission, and he yeah. read it first. Um, I did yes, do an essay that's right. because you know it was like one of the things that we really do enjoy doing. He's 16. I still read out loud to uh, mostly Sam. His brother likes to read on his own, but you know we'll read a book together, and I, I read it out loud, and he just you know it's just sort of our connection. And then he's reading his books and yeah. That is so lovely. What a neat thing. That's also a great, um, I don't know. Sometimes I think about 
parenting jujitsu where you use the momentum of of your adversary and you flip it kind of i think is what jujitsu is all about i may be oh, completely yeah. wrong but at any rate this idea that you have a situation like there that, that could have been difficult but you flipped it and now you have this wonderful bond where you you read to him but that only happened because you were able to recognize where he was and what what he truly was and what he could do and then you were able to once you sort of knew that and embraced it, you're able to have this wonderful thing together, which I think is really lovely. Thanks. Yeah. And then that right there is like parenting, right? You can't yeah. snap your fingers and it's all fixed. You right. just sort of, you keep trying and keep trying and, you know, sometimes things work out. <laughs> I am, I'm more and more convinced that, um, well, I noticed something a couple of years ago. We would have these really incredible speakers come to school. I mean, sometimes they were local, but sometimes they were like nationally renowned, including Jessica Leahy, for example, and um, uh, some others, just Robert Evans, just incredible people. And I, it was always a little disappointing, but it was always a fairly small group. And it was always the same ones. And it was inevitably people whose kids already seemed to really have it together. Not perfect, but like, and it, it occurred to me like, why is it that the really good parents are the only ones that come to these ever? And it finally occurred to me that I think that they're really good parents, not because they come to those. I think they're good parents because they're engaged and they're thoughtful and they're mm -hmm. always trying to learn. And that's why they come to those seminars, basically. And that led me to just kind of my big belief that parenting is less about executing a particular set of actions or words at specifically the right time and more about just ongoing engagement, just trying, failing, learning, but the engagement is really what it's about. Right. And, and being curious. Um, and that's what we want our kids to be too, right? Yeah. Be yes. engaged, be curious. Yeah. Curious. And, and then also that, you know, you want a lot of empathy, I think too, in that experience for your son, um, right. the way you handle it. Has there ever been, Amy, a piece that you published that just, I don't know, really surprised you, the reception or response just really surprised you in a I mean, positive or negative, just but it right. maybe took off in a way you hadn't expected it to? Yes, but I can't think of one. Honestly, <laughs> I mentioned it already. Yeah, I'm like, oh, geez, what was that? Um, the kindness, oh, the, the kindness piece, yeah. that one yeah. is is my big shock um and rick who wrote it um still talks about it he was like it was like lightning in a bottle but it was it just the fact that it just keeps coming back and it i find it very um heartening because it shows you that parents want to have kind kids once yes they want to help raise kind kids so that's sort of the one that will always stand out to me is like the the surprise you know yeah. And I'm glad it was that one. I'm glad it wasn't like how to make sure your child shows no weakness ever to anyone or, right. or, or something oh, like well, that. Yeah. Yeah. There was um, anytime we write about spanking and how spanking's not okay, that always does really well. Um, and then there are always people who say, well, I was spanked and, right. you know, um, and I turned out okay. And, you know, yeah. So those always do well. You know what, you bring up, a that's a really interesting point. I wonder if we could explore for a minute. The idea, I see this in school a lot too. Well, um, you know, I went to school and we did it this way and I think I'm, I'm fine. Or, you know, whether that's academics or discipline or whatever, um, or you hear again, like you said, well, I was spanked and I don't see anything wrong with it. It's, it's interesting. We, we live in a time when we acknowledge that so much has changed. Um, science and technology and medical knowledge and yet most of us i think and i think this is probably a pretty natural human thing are stuck back when we went to school or when we were children and it's certainly natural to default to what you knew but i think it's also really important to understand that maybe you turned out okay but it was maybe it was kind of lucky you did <laughs> or or yeah. maybe maybe you're carrying things you don't fully realize because you were, I mean, who knows? Like, mm -hmm. but the fact that it was okay for you, does it mean it is currently the very best idea? We, we have a lot of things we know now that are just things of things have changed. We've learned a lot. Right. Right. And that's what I always like hope when I put a piece out into the world, I just hope that the readers 
who read it um, can think about, okay, well, I just need to look at this and think about this. Like, just because I wasn't raised this way doesn't mean that this is wrong. And so, um, yeah, I, I think parenting is something we need to think about and, and change things. And just because we were raised a certain way doesn't mean that that's the only way. So, yeah. 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 My, um, my great grandmother apparently used to say that just, she said each, she was a farm girl. So she used kind of a farm analogy, but she said each generation improves the stock. Um, and, and her point was that she parented the best she knew how, and then her daughter got married and parented the best she knew how, but it was better. She had right. learned some things. And then my dad got married and parented the best he knew how, and he improved a lot along the way as well. And now I'd like to think I've hopefully improved. I know that watching my children parent, though, they have certainly improved um, and, and, you know, really up the game or, or um, you know, I, I think that's an important. So we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us, and that can be a right. huge gift, but that doesn't mean we have to just stay there forever. Right, right. No, it's so true. And, you know, I hear my own yeah I, that's a beautiful way of putting it i remember when i was a relatively new mom and my mother was visiting and she was lying on the floor with um my kids who were you know young at the time and she said gosh i wish i had not spent so much time worrying about you know ironing the pillowcases i wish i had spent more time on the floor like you do with your kids and she was wrong. She spent a lot of time with us and I'm grateful for it. But um, it's just interesting when I do think about like, okay, when, when, and if my kids have kids, what am I going to say to them? And along those same, same lines. So have you, that just, maybe this is too personal and I'm, I'll cut it out and I don't <laughs> want to be um, intrusive, but, you know, I feel like one of the challenges of parenting is learning how to be a parent it also sometimes puts you in a place where you have to really, um, you you confront maybe some of the mistakes your parents made. And even if you know they were um, acting in good faith, you know, all of us make mistakes, including our parents. If we're lucky, I feel like working through that process helps us actually appreciate them more. And we come eventually to empathize with them and understand this is a tough job and they did the, you know, they did the best we they could. But has doing this parenting, uh, editing and writing gig, has that had any impact on how you have, not only how you've seen your own parenting, but uh, has that had an, uh, I don't know, has that made the way you process your parents' parenting? Um, I, I'm kind of muddling that statement, but um, no, does I that make sense? Thing. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's funny, like I do feel very separate from how my parents parented. Like I look at them and say, well, they were of a different generation. And the our family was about as traditional as it came. Like dad went to the office every day. Mom was an art teacher and was home a lot um, and was home over the summers. And so they fell along these very traditional roles where, um, yeah, my dad would come home in the evening and sit down and, you know, have a drink and read the newspaper while mom made dinner. And so I look at that and um you know and mom was like the default caregiver like I can't imagine ever when I was sick going to my dad um who I'm very close with but right. he wasn't right. in that role and so that is definitely different from how Stephen and I do it now um and I do think about that I guess now that I'm talking about it pretty frequently I mean my dad was the jokester and like would take us on the walks in the woods. And then my mom was the one who would do our projects with us and make sure we were feeling okay. And, you know, take care of the house. And um, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, I, one of the, you mentioned this earlier, but one of the most wonderful changes I think are developments, Evo, let's say evolutions in parenting is, is how involved dads are. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I'm more involved than my dad was. And I know he was more, I mean, so this it's I don't mean to throw you know cast shade at anyone or or be critical, but I love watching my son's parent. They are, you know, they are really good parents. And they I also though my sense, and I get this some sometimes it's because they tell me, but other times just watching, I also think it's very meaningful and fulfilling for them. And so it's it's really a win-win-win, I think, because I believe they're 
much more supportive, um, you know, spouses. Um, I think that their children are getting a gift, but I think they're getting a big gift too. And I love seeing that this is, I hope this continues to, you know, there's still some ways to go, obviously, but it seems to be a really healthy, wonderful trend for everyone. I love that. You're so lucky. Yes, that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, Amy, thank you so much for your time. Um, As always, it's just wonderful to talk with you. Um, I appreciate all the good work you do out there um, for so many people on so many levels. Um, Listeners, again, I just encourage you to check out On Parenting. It is the Washington Post's parenting section. Is it officially called a section or a, a blog or what? What is the official term? Yeah. Section. Okay. Uh, check Amy's workout. Sign up though for the newsletter, and that way you get to see Amy's um, kind of um, I don't know, introduction and uh, contextualizing of some of the pieces that come out, and she shares a lot of insights in those as well. So. Uh, It's a wonderful resource. So Amy, thank you again for coming on today. Thank you. This was so much fun. I'm always happy to talk parenting. It's all I think about. (laughs) That's that's all you do. All right. Well, thank you. I do have hobbies, I promise. Well, that's good. You need some where you kind of, I think that'd be hard to hold all day long. So Um, listeners, thank you again for joining in. This has been the Parent Teacher Conference podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Braden Bell. And again, I'll just ask you, if you don't mind, to take a moment and give us a rating. I'd love a glowing rating, um, if you can do that, on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform that you um, access your podcasts. And I, this is the first time we've done kind of the, the fortnightly interval. Um, let me know how that's going for you. If you love it, if you like the old weekly one, whatever. Most of all, happy parenting. You've got this. <laughs>